Hello, and welcome to Media Mavens. This is episode 39. I'm Pam, and with me as always is Riley. Hello. Hi, Riley. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I feel like poo. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sick, so... No. I will try to get through this as best as I can, and hopefully not lose my voice halfway through. That'd be good. (laughs) (laughs) So, we don't have a main topic for discussion this episode, but we do have a returning guest. It's Dia Lucina. Hi! Hi! How are you doing, Dia? I'm doing okay. That's good. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you for having me back again. No problem. Uh, Do you want to talk about yourself a little for anyone who might not have heard you on before? Yeah, um, I'm I'm Dia. Hi. And um, sometimes I write really snarky things about video games, um, but it's really just because I love them and I Mm -hmm. want them to be better. (laughs) Mm. Not because I don't actually like video games and never actually play them. <laughs> it sounds like this is something you've heard. Every time. <laughs> yes. No, I actually, I just wrote a piece. So I'm just like looking over at my phone. I'm just like seeing that. I'm like, oh, like, uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You hate me. Okay. I get it. Cool. <laughs> whatever. It happens. I yeah. had someone leave me 41 comments on a single video about how uh feminists like me are ruining games and they don't want our kind here your kind yeah <laughs> boom feminism yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> all right so we'll just do a bit of a round robin in terms of what we've been up to so do you want to kick that off to you i've been playing destiny 2 which i did not expect that i would ever take two um because i don't like first person shooters i'm pretty sure i hate mmos i just have a really bad relationship with them Mm -hmm. and generic space opera is really boring to me but i like shooting things it turns out and having them drop stuff that i can (laughs) take so i get like you know i have a better understanding of colonialism now is what i'm saying um (laughs) Just saying, I'm like, I get it, I get it, guys. Oh my god! But um, uh, I love you. <laughs> which is great. I hope that audio clip of me saying like I understand colonialism now is going to come back and bite me in the ass the next time I criticize anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm probably using that as a title unless, unless you come up with something a lot better. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, and so um, I have been playing as a uh, a human warlock because um, all of the faces in Destiny 2 are really bad. Like, everyone has horrible, like, cheekbone oh, problems. Super are. And, like, and okay. Horrible makeup problems. The ma- oh, God, the makeup. Makeup, like, God. <laughs> it's worse than any of the Dragon Age games. <laughs> saying something, because the DA games have pretty bad makeup. And I, I, have, I have had issues with, like, the Dragon Age games for a long time. Actually, no, it's worse than it's worse than the makeups makeup options in Dead in Dark Souls. And Dark Souls is a game where you are a reanimated corpse, basically. <laughs> but yeah, the, the makeup in Destiny Two is bad. But I, I managed to end up like kind of making my first character was this very like heroic, like you know, Soviet realist. Um, Melf is like the only way to <laughs> she had this really great hair and I gave and she like just like these very strong 
face and like the way they kind of pose your face in the character creator because you can't turn your character's head in the character mm-hmm. creator at all which is the dumbest thing i've ever heard of Ugh. like she looked really kind of great and i'm like okay cool we've got like you know soviet cosmonaut mom awesome let's do it mm-hmm. um and then i launched into the game and i saw the back of her hair and i was just like oh, oh, oh no we are not doing this <laughs> so now we're like this very kind of like 80 like late 80s bond girl slash vidal sassoon ad model <laughs> um and it's really the only kind of acceptable face and hair combo if you choose a human but she's a warlock and she throws purple shit mm-hmm. and I can punch people in the face and and that recharges my shield. Mm-hmm. And so I just like float through the air and then just punch it in the face and take their health. Nice. <laughs> and that's a good time. Um, I'm also, I get, I guess I get, I get uh, Gina Torres is like my, f- my faction lady instead oh. of... Um, at least so far, she has been introduced as here is the big deal warlock, and I'm like, okay, you're the big deal warlock. And the hunter that was introduced as the big deal hunter it was Nathan Fillion as a robot. And fuck, that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing that a lot when I have as like self care for when I've been like stressing out writing my latest piece. Mm-hmm. Just go shoot some things, feel better. It's great. You can like duck in and like there's like public events that just fall out of the sky like reboot and like whenever you log in i'm just like i'm in, i'm on a planet and it's like <laughs> public game coming and i'm like all right cool and then five minutes later you're like okay i did that cool done that's cool how often do you see your character in destiny i'm just not a lot yeah, yeah. no um i think when you hop on like a the little speeder bikes um when you're in town um when you're in the little like kind of haven zone then you can see your character oh, okay yeah but uh, like the character models are kind of crap, so it's like I don't really care. <laughs> like every now and then I get a peek of myself on like the inventory screen, and I'm like, oh, there's a new piece of armor, and I click on it, and I'm like, oh, well, that looks dumb. All right, <laughs> well, I hope no one sees me. Ah, oh, shit, it's an MMO. <laughs> uh, so last week I was actually in Chicago. Nice. So I haven't been doing a lot of playing anything. Uh, I was in Chicago to see Hamilton, so I got to see the off-Broadway Hamilton in Chicago uh, with my mom and my aunt and my cousin, mm-hmm. uh, and it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, I mean, like, I had already heard all the songs and stuff from the album being on Spotify, mm-hmm. but the stage production was so cool, like, the way that they like arranged everything and they had a piece in the middle that like spun around on the stage so like people would like look like they were you know like walking down the street or whatever and that's how they would kind of change all the set pieces like everything moved around and they could kind of like rearrange the stage however they wanted to Mm -hmm. yeah it was just so good i don't even (laughs) know what to say about it (laughs) that people don't already know it was just so good and like seeing them all uh, like, actually act out the songs, because uh, I hadn't seen, like, any footage from, I guess, like, some people have done, like, bootleg versions and stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, I haven't seen any of that, so, like, actually seeing them, you know, like, act out and, you know, choreography and stuff to the songs was just, mm-hmm. ah, it was so good. I don't see enough theater anymore, and this was really nice. 
Nice. Yeah, I used to see a lot of theater when I was younger and my (laughs) parents would pay for it and now I don't see any. (laughs) That's the problem. (laughs) Now I have to pay for it myself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it was really good. Chicago is actually a really, like, nice city. Like, we were only downtown, so the downtown portion of it was, was really nice. Like, all the buildings are, like, white limestone and and they're, like, they're really nice. Like, really old, like, gothic and baroque architecture. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it was so pretty. Yeah, Chicago's nice. I was there a couple of years ago, but it was a bad time. We went to a couple baseball games for Will's birthday and he was like mm. sick the entire time. Oh no. <laughs> and we took the Greyhound there which was horrible like a 9 10 hour bus ride and uh at the last day we went to US Cellular Field for a game and we left and a cat we couldn't find a cab like there were just no cabs anywhere so we had to walk from US Cellular Field which is like sort of south of the city all the way back to our hotel in the city and it took like three hours and we missed our greyhound Uh. and so uh i don't know i hope if i go to chicago again it's better next time (laughs) yeah like the the first time that i had been well not like been to chicago we just drove through it when i moved from calgary to ontario Mm -hmm. and we were stuck in traffic on either the I-90 or the I-94, I don't remember. Whichever one goes through, like, directly through the city because we're Mm -hmm. idiots and we (laughs) went through Chicago. (laughs) So this time was much nicer because we, like, drove in, parked right at our hotel, and then we just, like, walked everywhere to see everything. So it was way better this time. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. So Pam, what have you been up to? I've been playing a couple things. I started replaying the new Doom game, which I love. I got it on Xbox this time because at first I got it on PlayStation and then Will traded it in. So he finally bought me a new copy for uh, Xbox. And I've just been enjoying punching and shooting and tearing apart demons with my bare hands. <laughs> it's very good for stress reduction. Like it's uh it's fast and it's full of like heavy metal and I'm not even a big heavy metal fan, but like it goes with the game so well and uh there is a little bit of platforming in it, which usually, you know, first person platforming is not good, but in this like it's very very forgiving like if you jump in the vicinity of the right direction he'll just grab onto ledges and climb up them so it's not uh it's not like precision jumping or anything so yeah i actually forgot there was platforming in that until you just mentioned it because (laughs) it is so just seamless Mm -hmm. yeah that's something i liked because at first I, i there's this one level i think it's like the fifth one and you're climbing up this giant tower and i was like oh that seems like a lot of jumping but it's just so so easy like the ledges are marked with green lights and it's just sort of like point yourself in the right direction you'll probably be okay um i also played what did i play oh the banner saga which is like a visual novel RPG kind of thing. It actually, because I played Pyre not too long ago, and it seems like Pyre was really influenced by the Banner Saga. You play these, um, I think they're Vikings, and the end of the world is sort of coming. The sun is stuck in the sky, and it never, never, um, 
sets and you're traveling and you're playing these two different sets of characters and the combat is like a turn-based strategic combat and as you go through you make a bunch of decisions that will affect you know who lives and dies and how people think of you and overall it was pretty good it was a little bit slow at times but it was uh it was good I got I have got the second one free with Games with Gold, so I'll probably start that as soon as I have some more time in my gaming space. Uh, Dia, what else have you been up to? I've been playing uh, XCOM 2. Yes! Uh, I have yet to start the new expansion. Because um, I, I, I had completely kind of not gotten in on X, uh, the XCOM 2 bandwagon. So I played the first one. Um, well, the the rebooted first one, I guess. Enemy um, Unknown. I played, yeah, Enemy Unknown and Enemy Within, mm-hmm. and I had I had played the original XCOM when like I was very young, and it was incredibly frustrating, but I loved it to pieces. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, so I've been been I uh, I've been doing kind of a friends as squatties playthrough, which Pam, you know mm-hmm. you you have been. <laughs> You were tearing it up in the previous campaign, mm-hmm. um, though. Damn, girl, chill with <laughs> the blowing everything up. <laughs> but yeah, like that's it's been a lot of fun. But I went to start um, when I found out I was like, oh, it's they're gonna do the thing where it's like we just kind of bake it into the, the the new expansion into the original game. I was like, okay, I'll just go and do that instead of finishing this campaign. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, by the way, your entire character pool has been wiped out. Yeah, that's no good. I uh, I don't know why they do that. And it was like, there's like a little button. It's like, push L3, because I played on PlayStation 4. It's like, push L3 to import characters. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll just import them over. And then it's just like, you can import the developers. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Just, like, mine are right there. Mm-hmm. Just let me, let me bring them over. Yeah. I heard there was a way to get them on PC, but nothing on console that I've seen. Yeah, which sucks. But yes, yeah, so I um, I've been I've been I've been actually really having a lot of fun. Um, my XCOM two playthrough was like just me making ridiculous little movies of you know like Maddie Myers from Kotaku and Danielle Riendo uh from Waypoint fending off wave after wave of giant like mechs that are like you know psychotic and trying to kill everyone <laughs> and um from a rogue ai as like the rest of like you know my friends list on twitter like <laughs> are like being evacuated one by one up an elevator and like it became this little great little like short film that i'm just like i'm just gonna snip 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 and <laughs> post and so i've just been like posting like all of my my little XCOM movies uh that were great you know as people die you know we mourn but then we also get to celebrate their triumphs mm-hmm like when Pam decided she didn't like public art and blew it up. <laughs> that sounds like me just blow up everything. Uh, so you haven't started the War of the Chosen yet? I have not started the War of the Chosen yet. Um, I kept I like kept looking at my character pool and I'm like uh, I was just too tired after I finished and like my 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 latest piece for Polygon I was just like I don't want to make all my characters all over again right now. That sounds tiring. I'll just go shoot people and take their stuff <laughs> in space. Awesome. <laughs> uh, Riley, what else have you been up to? 
So because uh, because last week I was in Chicago, I had a long car ride to do stuff in, and so I downloaded a bunch of episodes from Supernatural, mm-hmm. and I'm finally caught up on that show. I think I got to the end of season 12. <laughs> and I feel bad about it. <laughs> uh, I stopped after season five. Uh, which... That's a good stopping point, honestly. <laughs> like, that's where it should have ended. God, like, I, you know, Supernatural has its problems, for mm-hmm. sure. But my particular beef is how all of the cool women characters whether they be villains or, you know, their friends, they all die. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I'm getting kind of sick of it. Uh, and it kind of also just recycles the same stories over and over again. Like, I think we've seen the Lucifer character, I don't know how many times he's been, like, locked away, and he's been somewhere else, and then he comes back, and then he helps them, and then he doesn't help them, and it's like, what? Like, just... I just, I want it to end. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to end in, like, a good way. Or it's just going to keep on going. And it's just going to get worse and worse. Yeah. That's what fanfiction is for. I know. Actually, I do need to find some good Supernatural fanfic. Now that I think about it. Because I want, like, season five and previous type fanfic. I don't want, I don't want all the stuff that came after. Unless it's written well. Then maybe. But, yeah. I just... Ugh. Mm. <laughs> I feel like it makes me so mad. <laughs> I feel like the fan base for that show is still like right into it. Like I see yeah. so much, you know, fan art and fan fiction and things like that. I'm just wondering about other shows that you know got bad after a while, like X Files. Like, was were the X Files fans still all there in season seven and eight? I wasn't. I mean, people came back for the new season. Yeah. So, you know. I don't know. But, yeah, I just, I mean, I am interested to see where season 13 is going to go because there are some things that happened and some characters that died that are pretty integral to the story. So, I'm interested. Is Supernatural still on or is it over? Because I feel like it's just always existed. (laughs) Uh, It never really began or ended. It just, it's Supernatural. (laughs) It just exists. It's just been there. (laughs) Time. Like I even thought, like I like you know, like people on my timeline were like talking about like Supernatural. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll you know, I'll watch that. You know, I'm done with like kind of all the other shows that I mean to watch. And then like I went and I was like, I was like, are you f- kidding me? It's this many seasons? <laughs> yeah. And then I just said no. No, it's still going. I think the season thirteen, the premiere is soon. I don't know. I haven't kept on on it. Like my plan is to let the season finish and then I will watch it on Netflix. <laughs> but yeah, it's still like it's still on. It still airs on like I don't know whatever. What does it air on like Sci-Fi or something? I don't know. CW. I just like they got into like a bunch of like really cool stuff with like you know angels and demons and all that kind of stuff, and then it just kind of really shit the bed. Yeah, I don't know. I want like cool monsters and stuff, and they don't really do that anymore. So I don't know. Kind of mm. disappointing. But I'm going to keep watching it because I like train wrecks. So. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I've also been playing XCOM 2, War of the Chosen. I originally got it because I couldn't wait on PC when it first came out 
but I really wanted to play it in bed with a controller. And so I like set up my Steam link and I got everything going. And then I found out that the controller mapping wasn't all that good. And if I wasn't hardwired into the Steam link, it was super choppy. So I ended up returning it on PC and uh, waiting for this Tuesday to get it on Xbox. And I've barely gotten very far into it because I keep restarting the game over again. (laughs) Initially, I started a new game not realizing that even though I thought I had preloaded it, the DLC content wasn't actually there. So I like played for a little bit and then realized like, hey, this is exactly the same as the regular game. I think something's wrong. So then I had to download a 42 gigabyte update. (laughs) And then I... And then I started again, and then one they don't make their menu system very intuitive or make good decisions. So if you want to play the tutorial, you don't have the option of turning on Iron Man mode. And Iron Man mode is like saves after every single turn, so you can't uh, save scum and reload if something happens that you don't like. So I ended up starting again so I could play on Iron Man mode. But then I screwed up one of, like, these important missions, and I lost a couple of my key characters, and I, and I, start, <laughs> and I started again, this time not on Iron Man mode. So <laughs> as much as I think Iron Man is, like, a good way to play, I just, I, I don't have enough self-control. Like, I, if, I want to be able to see, like, there's these new classes you can get. There's these, like, other factions in the DLC. One's called the Reapers, and one, I forget what the other one was. But I went to, like, rescue one of these new characters for the DLC, and I failed. So then I'm like, okay, well, does that mean I'm just never going to experience this new class then? Because I was like, that doesn't sound fun. Hmm. So I started again, not on Iron Man mode. So if anything goes spectacularly wrong, I can reload. But one of the cool things they do in the DLC is that they add, like, I guess they're sort of like propaganda posters for the Resistance. So after Mm -hmm. you finish a mission, it'll take a picture of your squad and they'll all be, like, in these cool poses and have, like, slogans on them. And also your soldiers can uh, bond. So if they are bonded, they get extra abilities when they're on a mission together. So uh, actually... My Riley and my Sarah are now bonded, so you guys are besties. <gasps> and it made a poster for you, and the awesome. post and the poster says "Twin Towers of Pain." <laughs> so it's pretty cool so far. There's also new enemies. There's these. Uh, new enemies called the lost and they're kind of like zombies and they just come in giant hordes and if you kill one you get a free action so you're just like taking shot after shot after shot at them and it's pretty cool so uh i'm looking forward to playing a little more i was going to yesterday since i called in sick but i ended up just sleeping most of the day so but i'm enjoying the dlc a lot yeah i can't wait to see what kind of weird propaganda posters <laughs> it decides to and what bonds really i want to see who's gonna on my friends like my followers is gonna like bond together because mm-hmm. that will be i'm sure that'll be hilarious 
Yeah, I I really like that part of it. And I've been and I've also spent a lot of time just creating characters because I couldn't use my character pool from before. I didn't get that extra DLC with the new outfits though because I do I will not allow any of my sh- my soldiers to wear shorts. That's that's a no-no for me. <laughs> but you have to you have to put put all of the boys in the silly shorts. <laughs> <sighs> All right, uh, Dia. What else have you been up to? Watching anything? Yeah, um, I um, for some bizarre reason, um, I had mentioned that Battlestar Galactica, the uh, remake, was a thing <laughs> to my partner, and um, she expressed a reluctant interest. <laughs> a reluctant interest. <laughs> so we've been watching that, and I oh my god, I forgot how much bullshit that show is. Um. I don't know why I watched it at the time, but, like, oh, yeah, I do. I know why. Because there is, like, you know, a violent Christian Dior model as a robot and um, <laughs> and also Lucy Lawless mm-hmm. as Lucy Lawless's character. That was kind of probably my favorite. But, um, yeah, we've been rewatching uh, Battlestar Galactica on Hulu and... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it is something else. Like... I don't, I I don't know how that show became so critically lauded, but also like watching it back now, especially kind of in like the current U.S. political climate, I'm mm. really extra disturbed by all the people at the time when that show was current who were like, "Yeah, Adama Roslin, <laughs> 2016 or whatever," and I was just like, Re- "Really? Like watching it now, it's just like, whoa, you guys." Your political beliefs are kind of disturbing. You, what did you guys vote for Trump? <laughs> because damn, like Roslyn is all about, you know, wanting to institute, you know, every draconian policy she can, but then just be like, I'm a school teacher, you know, whatever. But we're gonna throw you out of an airlock because <laughs> you're a problem. And then like Adama's just kind of like, I don't give a shit. Like, fuck martial law, <laughs> whatever. And it's like, okay. But I do I do like Edward James almost um very much. So mm-hmm. But yeah, we've been we've been sticking it out through that and just like every five minutes she's just like pausing and she's just like, Wait, what what is this bullshit? And I'm like, Well no, because you see that's that's happening inside of his head. He's hallucinating a robot. I'm like, maybe Maybe <laughs> But the ending's kind of murky, and like I had to spoil the ending for it, because I'm like, okay, I'm gonna spoil the ending because when we get to it, you are going to be so pissed off <laughs> that you have sat through this, and that is the ending, and and like it just like you could just see like her eyes just like get bigger <laughs> and bigger, like they were going to explode out of her head, and I was just like, yeah, so this is the ending. <laughs> huh. And then I told her about like the nineteen, like the original series ending, which I think like they just end up. They like, like they finally get to Earth, and it's like Earth in the 1980s, and it's kind of like, oh, you're a long lost brother, and it's just like, it, there's no good way to end Battlestar Galactica, it would seem. Yeah, I think so. I'm sort of a Battlestar Galactica apologist. <laughs> I didn't even hate the ending that much, so I don't know. I mean, there were some bad things. I remember particularly there was this series of episodes, like three or four episodes in the second season, that were just garbage 
like the black market episode was like the worst hour of television I oh, might have ever God. seen. <laughs> that was the one where where like what is it? Leah Dama falls in love with, with the prostitute. Like, the prostitute who's got like the child. Yeah, that was like the worst thing. There was that because I was just like. All the actors have been replaced by untalented doppelgangers, and the writers are all drunk or something. Cause... No, it's it, like that episode in particular. Like, I just we got to it, and we were just like, I was just like, I, I forgot about this episode. I'm sorry. I keep going like, I forgot about this. I'm sorry. <laughs> and like, you know, get to the part where like Kara Thrace is like being like kidnapped and gaslit, and mm. by like Cylon Boy, and I'm just like, I forgot about this. I'm sorry. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> we that. We get too. to like the whole. Um, the evil cranky admiral who like and like her battlestar that like where everyone is just kind of awful and terrible and they have the captive sex and it's just like i forgot about this i'm sorry <laughs> yeah so are you can't wait to, we're almost done though we're, almost we are done. we are on the f- we are i think we're on we've got like one episode left of season three and then there's season four and i think season four is short and i Honestly, I forgot it was only four seasons. Like, I was just like, this felt so much longer at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it feels like there was more than that. I guess it started off with the miniseries, which was almost like a season. Yeah. Right. So not enjoying that. (laughs) It's actually, I mean, it's been been kind of fun watching it and just kind of just making fun of it, Mm. Um, especially just the really bad CG. Uh, yeah. That I don't remember being good at the time. Like, even for television CG, I'm just like, oh, these Cylons look bad. You could have just put guys in a suit like the original show. I remember really liking the space battles and how they were very quiet. Yes, like, they they did they do that, and that's actually pretty good. And, like, they kind of shoot them in this sort of cinema verite uh, war reporting style, which is neat, but I feel like they shoot the entire show that way. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like diminishes like you know how many times can we have like the camera like shake as it pulls to focus on adama's nostrils <laughs> and everyone is just so sweaty on that show it's just like i'm just like are you just you just like to just turn the heat up and then just go through and spray everyone with water bottles constantly like i'm just like god this show is so just fetid looking <laughs> it works but i want my space people pretty like my mass effect characters <laughs> that's right <laughs> All right, Riley, what else have you been up to? Continuing my Netflix uh, journey, I watched season one and almost all of season two of Outlander, which I've actually read all the books for, so I know what's going to happen anyway. I think they've actually done a pretty good job to a TV show. I'm kind of impressed because those books are like, they're like bricks. They are big books. So I've been pretty impressed with how they've been condensing the story into the into the episodes. It's been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I like all of the actors that they were, the characters, so I've done a really good job with casting. Especially the guy that plays the Jack Randall character and the Frank Randall character. Like, I don't know, do either of you know anything about Outlander at all? I keep seeing ads for it when I try and watch episodes. I I hear a, a lot of ladies talking about the guy from it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, is there time travel involved? Yes. Yeah. That's she... the extent of my knowledge. Okay. Yeah. So the I guess the main-ish character, uh, Claire, she's the one that goes back in time to 45, something like that, from 1948. 
Uh, so she's like, she was a combat nurse in World War Two, And then she touches these stones in Scotland and is transported back in time to 1945, where the Scottish are doing their Jacobite rebellions, which is like they're trying to put a Scottish king on the throne of England. And as history has shown, that doesn't go very well. So she's trying to change history, but it doesn't really go the way that she thinks it will. So the character, the guy that plays the Randall character, his name is Tobias Menzies. And he he actually plays a character in both times, but they're two different people. So he plays her husband in 1948. Mm -hmm. And then he plays his ancestor in 1745. And his ancestor in 1745 is like, they're they're like night and day different characters. But the actor that plays them is so good that it's like they could be two different people. Like her husband in the current time is like really nice and kind and like a teacher or a historian. And then in the past... He plays uh, Captain Jack Randall, who is, like, a torturer of people and, like, just an awful, awful person, to say the least. And, (laughs) uh, like, the actor, I'm just so impressed uh, with him. Like, I I love all the costuming. It's so cool. (laughs) And I think the new season actually either started already or it's just about to. So as soon as I finish... The next last episode of season two, I'm going to go and I'm going to find somewhere to watch season three because <laughs> I'm like, I need more of it. But like, it's good because I know what's going to happen because I've already read the books. So I'm not like, you know, waiting and waiting for something to happen. But yeah, oh, it's been so good. I really like it. So it definitely looks like it has like decent production values. Yeah. Like- because I keep seeing, like I said, like whenever I watch episodes, it's that that's the trailer that I get. It's just like, go watch Outsider now playing. I'm like, okay, I'll maybe. <laughs> okay, okay, gosh, stop. But it does. I'm just like, I'm like, this actually, this has got like pretty good production values. Okay. Yeah, it's a really pretty show. I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, violence and blood in it, especially the end, like getting closer to the end of the first season and then pretty much throughout the whole second season so if that's something that people aren't into then i would say maybe don't watch it but uh yeah it's really cool and it's really interesting watching like seeing how um claire has to navigate you know being a woman in 1948 who you know has her own autonomy and can kind of you know take care of her household by herself and then being pushed back into 1745 where you know, the women are expected to stay at home and not do anything and people don't believe her when they say she's a doctor and she gets accused of being a witch because she knows all this stuff. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's been really cool. She's been doing a really good job too. So yeah, it's been really good. Awesome. Yeah, I think I'll have to watch that at some point, maybe when I'm finished with um, iZombie, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of the things that I've been watching uh, after, I think, Apple Cider brought it up, and then Sarah brought it up on the last mm. two episodes, so I decided I would just go ahead and watch iZombie. And it's pretty pretty good so far. It's about a girl who turns into a zombie, but they're not, like, mindless zombies. They just need to eat brains every once in a while, and then they can sort of live as normal. So the 
the main character Liv. She starts out and she's a doctor, but when she turns into a zombie, she decides to take a job in the morgue because it would give her access to brains, and then she becomes sort of like the assistant or partner to this detective because when she eats brains from people she can get visions of them so it can help her solve crimes and then the other thing they do to sort of mix things up a bit is that any brains you eat you also take on some of that person's character so she's like a little bit different in every episode like um once she ate the brains of like a teenage girl and then she starts behaving like a teenage girl or like a um, extreme sports junkie and then she starts doing all these risky things so it's cute it's you know very snarky as sarah said that's i don't know i've watched two seasons so far so it's Hmm. pretty good (laughs) gotta be pretty good it's like an interesting premise for a procedural yeah yeah that's exactly it it's basically procedural there's a bigger story going all the way through although some of the names kill me like her ex-fiance's name is major lily white and every time they say it i'm just like oh my god (laughs) major lily white yeah and it's by the guy who did um veronica mars and i didn't ever actually Mm. get into that one but i'm liking this one so far i've only heard good things about that show yeah, it's nice, sort of light. And every episode, they do this thing with the brains, which at first it was I kind of found it gross, but now I've just gotten used to it, I guess. Because <laughs> she, like, cooks up the brains in different ways. There's always, like, a little food portion where she, like, makes them into a BLT or into stir-fry or into sushi. Ah. <laughs> 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 <sighs> And then the other thing, last night I watched a movie called As Above, So Below, which I assumed was about witches, but that wasn't really. It's a horror movie that, actually, when I started watching it, I was like, hey, this is the new Tomb Raider movie, right? Because it's basically (laughs) Lara Croft. Like, it's this British archaeologist. She's like, I don't know, 20-something, and she's got two PhDs, and she speaks six languages, and she's trying to find the Philosopher's Stone. So her and a bunch of other people end up going through the catacombs in Paris trying to find it. And so it's kind of like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade crossed with Tomb Raider, crossed with found footage horror movie. And... (laughs) I actually I actually thought it was really good. Like it was super claustrophobic cuz they're always going through caves and tunnels and then just all this weird stuff starts happening. And uh yeah, at first when I saw it I was like, "Oh, shaky cam, found footage." Eh. But it turned out pretty good, I thought. So, if you're looking for a good horror movie, I would recommend it. Uh, Dia, what else have you been up to? Actually been that uh writing um cuz my my Writing this piece about Hellblade has taken up the better part of, like, the past two weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I guess we should talk about, like, talk about my experiences with Hellblade, because yeah. that was, mm-hmm. that was something else. Um, so Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice is the latest offering from Ninja Theory, who did uh, the DMC and, what was it, Enslaved, I think? Mm-hmm. And um, they did Heavenly Sword, oh. which I actually liked. I remember that coming out of time, people were kind of panning it, but I was like, this 
fun. But um, yeah, uh, so you are, you know, kind of thrust into the ninth century Scotland, uh, but really it's uh, you are controlling a young Pictish girl who is suffers from uh, some form of uh, psychosis mm-hmm. and uh, is severely traumatized and she's on a quest to save her boyfriend's soul from Helheim because basically the Vikings came in and massacred her whole village while she was away getting her life together. She goes off to kind of, you know, get her illness under control and comes back everyone's dead she you know is has a break and then she has to go on this quest to save her boyfriend's soul carrying his head around the whole time oh um because that's what you do i guess you gotta have something to put his soul in when you get when you find it you need a vessel Uh, yeah yes um supernatural Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> will he just be ahead, though? Like, will she have to carry around him around you? Like, it's, it's never really kind of you know made clear. And I kind of like I was like I was sad. Like, what if this talked? What if she was just like walking around with this talking skull? And then I kind of realized I'm like, oh god, it's like that bad lollipop chainsaw yeah. game. <laughs> That's what I thought of. Uh, and I kind of I kind of kept wanting like the skull <laughs> to just like whisper these like kind of you know affirmations <laughs> like you're doing great you know sweetie. like you start hallucinating and it's just kind of like you know diet and exercise would really help with this <laughs> just like the worst of like facebook like fake bad mental health memes well, like just the like, mom memes yes it's like if you gave up sugar you would feel a lot better baby <laughs> you know you're only seeing demons because you don't drink eight glasses of water a day. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> like it's kind of like it's like it's kind of like like what I kept expecting. Um, but like yeah, they, they do weird puzzles. Um, and like it's it's there's there's so much in it that's good that like could have been like so great. I like I really thought this could have been like a really great game if one they had just not decided to go so hard into this kind of you know pursuing uh this kind of sensitivity and you know they really like kind of play up the fact that they talk to psychiatrists and psychologists uh they get top billing like the first names you see when like the the opening credits are rolling are their mental health consultants and it's just kind of like okay and like they've got a whole featurette about making the game that really touches on mental health and how they went and talked to these doctors and some, you know, recovery groups. And it's just like, uh, yeah, you had a game that like could have just been a fun kind of metaphysical romp through Viking nightmare time. But then you really kind of aggressively pursued this, but this one's different because it's really about mental illness. And we, really focused hard on mental illness and it's just like mm, it makes it feel a little cheap especially <laughs> given that really the whole point like is finding your boyfriend mm-hmm. and like it constantly kind of reinforces like if you know your th- the boyfriend Dillian uh, is set up as like his counterpoint to the shitty dad Zinbel 
And so there's like shitty dad who's like, you're cursed. Your mother was cursed. That's why I set her on fire. Oops, spoil- spoilers. <laughs> but yeah, like no one's going to play this game if you haven't already. God. Um, yeah, like, so like you say set up this kind of dichotomy of the two men in her life. And then they introduce a third man who's this kind of like guide in the woods. Um, and it's just like, okay, so we've got this this female character who is mentally ill and traumatized and basically she has to choose between three dudes and like she ultimately kind of chooses herself but not really it's more she chooses the self as her herself as seen through the boyfriend mm-hmm. um so it's like it's i don't know i wrote this piece and i was just basically kind of upset with how the like the the handling of mental illness and how it's like she's really just a set of symptoms that are you know they 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 do dislike you know they're impressionistic but they do a good job of like this is you know what kind of visual hallucinations can look like and this is what flashbacks are and auditory hallucinations and hearing voices and things like that but they kind of stop there they never bother to make her a real person she's defined entirely by her relationship to three men and her mother kinda mm-hmm. um and then the story is just like it's a hero's quest it's like okay yeah you went to hell you, you conquered the demons blah 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 and now you're fine you're back whatever also um the permadeath was a lie that everyone was freaking out about on the internet mm. and um I, 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 don't don't lie to me yeah <laughs> Like, you know, it's one thing if, like, you know, like I say in my piece, like, if the characters are, like, oh, you know, dying, you know, oh, you know, it's a big setback, and eventually, you know, you'll just die too much. But when the game puts a big screen, it's like, if you fall, the black rot will grow. When the black rot grows, your quest will eventually end, and you will have to start over. And it's like, that's not true. Kind of eat my ass. Like, (laughs) don't do that. Yeah, that's a weird um, decision. I don't really understand yeah, the point of that. Yeah, and it's weird it's weird that they felt the need to do that because it was it's tense enough when the narrator comments on how like kind of Senua's father like explained to her this darkness is going to keep growing every time you freak out and um eventually it's going to hit your head and you're going to die. And like okay, like just do that. We're fine. Like mm-hmm. It's a diegetic explanation. Don't go outside of the the game world to make that happen. It felt really weird. And also it was really tense because God, I died a lot in this game because uh, the combat is not as smooth as they think it is. The movement is not as smooth as they think it is. And there's a lot of places where you have to run through very dark environments while being chased by something. And if it catches up to you, that's game over and start again. Hmm. But it doesn't really matter anyway, because you just keep dying and respawning. That has really consumed, like, the better part of, like, God, kind of like my last, like, whole month and a half, like, playing (laughs) through that, making sense of it, pitching it, finally writing it, and now, you know, seeing all the people who thought it was a really great representation, and they had no idea what mental illness was until they played that game, and now... They really understand it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've just had, like, just like, so many dudes are like, it's not your personal experience. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's, it's, I, I specifically said that. <laughs> you read what I said. 
And it's also it's, it's kind of weird because it's like, okay, you made a game of mental illness, and there's like no other people in it really. Like it's just kind of like you walk through environments, you solve puzzles, you smash things. Okay, um, like I can walk through my house and smash things <laughs> when I'm mentally ill. Like, welcome to my life. But like, I also have to like go to the grocery store. Hmm. And everyone already thinks that like I'm like smashing things in my house anyway. So like I don't really know what the the point really was there as far as kind of explaining to people other than showing off what symptom sets kind of an interpretation of what symptoms feel like to people who don't experience them but i don't know i kind of feel like we already know what oh you're seeing fire and like dead bodies that aren't actually there like i feel like we've covered that territory pretty well in film and tv and everything else well, I really liked the article. It's called What Hellblade Send You a Sacrifice Gets Wrong About Mental Illness, and it's on Polygon, and we will link to it in the show notes. Uh, so is Destiny 2 what you were doing to recover <laughs> from that? <laughs> like, like, um, it was really funny because I, as soon as I wrote the draft, my first draft, I deleted Hellblade. I was like, it was in there just like staring at me and like I shoved it into a folder that was just like fuck off game and just like (laughs) hit it on my PlayStation 4 menu. And then like finally, like I was like, okay, I sent my draft in. I got, you know, my pitch got accepted. I wrote the draft, sent the draft in. I could delete this now. And then uh, Phil Kohler at Polygon was just like, I think we need something just something more at the beginning and i was just like okay what about this and he's like oh that's great like you know get can you like find a pull quote for it? i'm like all right i'll get a quote fuck <laughs> so then i had to watch through like four hours of youtube videos because all of these youtubers had posted like you know hell like hellblade send you a sacrifice all cut scenes mm-hmm. Uh, and guess what? They hadn't. Oh they lied. No. They were like ninety nine percent of the cutscenes, and so I kept watching through it. And I'm like, I'm like, wait, did I hallucinate the quote that I know is in my head <laughs> that I just want to make sure I can get like the exact wording of it? Uh, it was awful. I had, to, I had to watch through the game like five more times. It was. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, in between all of that, it was just like I need to shoot things right now <laughs> and take their stuff. <laughs> It's really the taking the stuff really is that does make the shooting so much better, I think, um, in video games. Yeah. The nice thing about, like, the Destiny stuff that falls on the ground is it kind of, like, pops out like confetti and lands, really lands on the ground in, like, colorful, <laughs> colorful spray. Like, uh, like in, in, um, in Neo, uh, like... It was really great. Like, you'd kill someone, and, like, even more so than Diablo. Like, they just, like, explode. Like, <laughs> like, like literally loot pinatas. Just, like, this, like, cavalcade of colors. And it's just, like, this is so much fun. And, like, I kind of wish Destiny, like, Destiny gets close. But not enough stuff drops things at Destiny. Hmm. But when it does, when it does like, pop out, like, gear or whatever, it's just, like, I'm a giant glowing orb. <laughs> but I'm flying out of the sky of the thing you just shot. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to take your orb. <laughs> I think I'm missing that drive in give video games like Destiny, Diablo, even like Borderlands. I get overwhelmed and angry at all of the loot that drops. Like, I'm just like, give me something good or I don't want it. Like, don't make me sort through this shit. I hate it. <laughs> See, you should try Destiny 2 then because things really actually don't drop enough. Oh, okay. Um, it's really like, I, I my, my general feeling is like, 
it's fun shooting things when they drop stuff but not enough stuff drops like hmm. like i can shoot down like i can mow down like a hundred you know random vex that are like these weird incan style robot people and like one like like they're like you know it's like oh here's some ammo but you've got plenty of ammo um like one guy will drop a piece of gear and i'm like mm. i just killed like a hundred dudes and you've got <laughs> one piece of gear fuck you diablo would like give me like a hundred pieces of gear for the hundred dudes i just mowed down <laughs> that does sound more my speed then all right riley have you been doing anything else um yeah so the tiff the toronto international film festival is happening right now and Ooh. one of the movies that out uh, and premiered there is the Tragically Hip documentary of their big tour that they did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got tickets and went to see that. Uh, it's only playing in like, it's like a limited release in uh, like some theaters all over the country. I think it played on the 14th is when I saw it. And then it's playing again uh, on the 18th and certain. And then I'm not sure where you see it after that. So, uh, for most Canadians probably know, uh, at least one song, uh, from the Tragically Hip, and I would say everybody that knows that song probably knows Gord Downey, who's the main singer of the band, and the whole reason that they did this big tour last year was because he was diagnosed with, uh, terminal brain cancer. So they had this plan to do a countrywide well not countrywide because they didn't go into the maritimes or into quebec Mm. they kind of started in victoria and they ended up in kingston which is where the band is from um and then that final concert in kingston was actually broadcast all over the country so you could watch it on like i think ctv was where they or was cbc cbc yeah yeah yeah, i think so so the documentary basically follows the band talking about when Gord was first diagnosed with brain cancer and how they thought they weren't going to be able to do a tour at all. Um, and then it kind of follows them along the tour. Uh, and even the doctor who kind of went along with them the whole time. It's pretty... Uh, it's good. It's like... I was expecting more interviews and stuff with the band themselves mm-hmm. like they do talk kind of throughout it but there was i mean and there was a lot of concert footage from toronto i think the most concert footage was from toronto um mm-hmm. and then kingston as well uh but they they kind of talk about how in the beginning gord actually ended up having surgery like pretty extensive brain surgery where they weren't even sure if he was gonna live through that so he went through that and then he kind of was the one that was pushing for them to go on tour and he had to relearn all of their songs. And there's one point in the documentary where he says, you know, I've never used a, like a prompter at one of my concerts before. Like I've never needed it. I know all the words to all of my songs. Like, you know, I helped write all of them pretty much. Uh, and then he goes, and they had to get me six for the concerts. Oh. <laughs> And I was like, no, (laughs) Gord. But yeah, it was really, uh, it was really good. And I mean, the whole, like, I remember, like, we went to the concert in Toronto. One of them, there were three concerts in Toronto. We went to one of them and we actually brought Sarah, me and Brian and Sarah went. Mm -hmm. 
And it was amazing. And then when the concert premiered on CBC, I think I watched it. I was in BC at the time, and so I watched it in British Columbia. But it was like, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was watching it at the same time. It was kind of like this weird countrywide Canadian thing that doesn't happen mm-hmm. very often. Yeah. Yeah. But the, and the documentary kind of like covers, you know, all of that covers, like it shows videos and clips from like all of the viewings across the country and like showing how people were watching it. And it was really cool. It was hard to watch uh, because this man who is like a brilliant writer is like not not at all you know like he's maybe like 60 percent, i would say of what he was so Mm -hmm. it's really hard to watch um but it was still really good so yeah (laughs) it was both good (laughs) and also bad (laughs) yeah it sounds hard (laughs) yeah no but i don't know it's it's gonna be hard when uh when he dies because you know I can't even, I don't even want to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I guess the band uh, got, like, their Order of Canada stuff recently, too, so. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it's nice that they were able to do such a, like, such a send-off, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's really crazy. I didn't realize, like, I mean, of course they've been together for, like, you know, years. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, I'm... I'm turning 30 this year, so <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. That's good. Anything else for you? Yeah, I found a new podcast to listen to. Oh. Uh, and kind of touching on, you know, the Canada-wide stuff, um, this podcast is called The Secret Life of Canada, and it's like, you know, the lesser-known Canadian history. So basically, anything to do with the First Nations people who live in Canada, because we don't learn like pretty much anything about them mm-hmm. it's true <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> and a lot of our history uh is us doing awful and terrible things to them so this the first episode is about banff uh the national park um and they talk about how the government signed treaties with the first nations people that live there and basically misled them into giving them the land that Banff is now built on. Mm-hmm. And they go through how they had what were called Indian days there, where they would invite them to come back onto uh-huh. what is technically their land. Um, and people would come and go into the park and, like, basically, like, stare at them the whole time. Uh, kind of like a living human zoo, in a way. Uh. And I didn't know this, but Banff was also an internment camp in one of the world wars. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, um, people in those camps, like, built the highways. Uh, and if you've driven through the mountains, you know how scary it is to just be driving through them. So, those people were forced to make those roads and, like, blast through the rock. Mm-hmm. So they talk a lot about the internment camps that were there, and um, it's it's a good listen. It's a hard listen, but it's a good listen because we don't 
we don't learn about that kind of stuff in history class. It's like, you know, glazed over. And this podcast is doing a really good job of, you know, interviewing people and getting the history correct and making sure that we know, you know, what we have done in the past. Because it's kind of, it's getting to a boiling point now where, uh, you know, I've even heard people talking about it where they're like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> what do they want? And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, first of all, like we, you know, we took, we took the, the First Nations people and we put them in schools and basically, you know, assimilated them into our culture. So, you know, we've done we've done some pretty bad things. So this this podcast is a really good start. If you are Canadian or or otherwise, this is probably good for everyone to listen to and you want to learn more about our history. It's a good listen. And I would say it's probably even required listen. It's been a good podcast. And I want, I can't wait to listen to more <laughs> and feel <laughs> like really bad about my country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'll, I'll have to put that on my listening list. Even when you're talking about the internment camps and like making the roads. I remember that, you know, those a part of our heritage commercials. Yes, yeah. I remember there was one specifically about that and like a Japanese man the going in yeah. the railway. Yeah. But like nothing in that <sighs> commercial was like. Oh, this was this was a really shitty thing we did. It was no, like, it's oh, just, woohoo! This... Look, he made a railway. Yeah, like he went in there, <sighs> and blew up the the mountain, and also died in the process. Yeah, <laughs> but we have yeah. a railway now. It's like no. Yeah, Ugh, yeah. No, it's a good listen. So, it's only like thirty five minutes to forty minutes. It's it's pretty good. Good time. Uh, and I'll have to add that it's you know. To colonialism's benefit to kind of, you know, wipe out its history and recreate and recontextualize mm. its history. But, like, I mean, even in America, like, you have to dig so hard uh, to find anything. Yeah. Um, and, like, I know it's weird because it does feel like I have been able to find more reliably or just kind of in just, you know, we just got more reliably uh, history of canada's colonialism mm. and it's just kind of like it was always just kind of like what is it you're just kind of like wait are you trying to say like canada kind of sucks compared <laughs> to us because like hold on let me, let me grab this textbook right here for a minute <laughs> but um god no i'll definitely have to listen i want to listen to that now too yeah we tend to cover up a lot of that nobody talks about it um and it's yeah. like the last couple of years, the conversation has actually started, uh, or at least it's not a one-sided conversation anymore. People are actually listening. Yeah. I mean, like talking about residential schools, that's mm. something that I learned about at work like yeah, I didn't a know year and a half ago. Yeah. So that was a new thing <laughs> for yeah. me like a couple of years ago. So yeah, it's like this stuff should be included in our the curriculum like in grade 10 or earlier we should be learning about it but we don't so yeah i don't even think america's ready to talk about its residential schools yet mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. we're never gonna have a truth and reconciliation <laughs> committee i'll tell you that much yeah, yeah we're getting Not there. my lifetime at least that's what i've been doing <laughs> all right so last couple of things for me i started listening to a new podcast uh, fave this, which is with Patricia Hernandez and Gita Jackson from Kotaku. Yay. And they talk about 
sort of internet culture and gaming and things and so far it's really good um apple cider was on the last episode as a guest and yeah it's just they're quite funny they talk about sort of games and different kind of internet phenomenon and it's not too long and i kind of like that they're sort of kind of oblique kind of conversations too like they're not you know, they kind of pick these topics that are kind of just a scant of, like, the dominant kind of conversations in mm-hmm. those areas. Yeah. yeah they're, it's a really fun podcast so far. Yeah. I'm enjoying it a lot. And also something that I actually forgot to mention last episode was that I did an escape room for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I went with my You played friend. a game in real life. I played a real life <laughs> game, yes. Uh... I went with Will and our friends Miles and Catherine from Flock of Nerds and uh, Chris, who's also on that podcast, and his wife Nina. So it was at Black Creek Pioneer Village, so it was like a big outdoor one. Mm -hmm. And there was like 12 groups going at a time, so 12 groups of six. And they had it set up really well so that everyone was always doing something in a different building, so you were never like trying to solve puzzles at the same time as other people so it was uh it was neat there was a lot of like word puzzles and logic puzzles and like lining things up and uh we we won we captured the cultists (laughs) first (laughs) which i was excited about because when we went to like our first exercise we were being really slow like the person who was playing a villager kept like being like hey, guys, maybe don't have all six of you working on this one single puzzle all at once. Like, <laughs> but, we, but we managed to uh, speed things up after that. So it was really, it was really fun. It's, uh, I mean, it was different than the usual escape rooms, I guess, because they are actual rooms that you escape from, whereas this was over a large area of land and there was a lot of walking and things. Mm. But it was, uh, it was fun. See, that seems like an it, like one I could actually get behind. Cause like, I mean, there's there's actually one. It's just like three blocks from my house, um, or from my apartment, and like I keep seeing it and driving out. I'm like, I'm like, where? Wh-? Like, is it? It's literally escape the room because mm. that's a tiny little building that you're in. <laughs> like, there's nothing there um, to escape from. <laughs> but um, like every time, like people are like, oh man, you gotta try escape rooms, and I'm like, I don't need to. I have PTSD. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like just just. Just find me on a bad day. It already, I'm already doing an escape room. Yeah, this one wasn't... Um, I mean, it was sort of meant to be scary because there was, you know, cultists and things that you were escaping from. And, and Well, not like they were chasing you or anything, but they were just sort of all around the village in, like, black cloaks and, like, those white masks. <laughs> and sometimes they would just, like, come up and stare at you. Ugh. But we also did it at 6.30 when it's still light out so <laughs> i think that there was there's also like an 8 30 p.m slot so that might have been a little creepier in the dark but uh it wasn't it wasn't very scary when when i did it <laughs> well, just like the site reminds me of like um do you guys have like kind of historical districts with click kind of reenactors like period reenactors in canada uh yeah, yeah. Like, cause, like, we have this, like, one in particular, Colonial Williamsburg, which is, like, everyone walks around, they dress like they're in, like, you know, kind of the, the 15th century or mm-hmm. 16th century, and, and they talk funny, and, like, you can go and interact with them, and they, they're basically, you know, just kind of actors that are just pretending to do, 
be cobblers and things like that. Mm-hmm. But like whenever you walk through it, it's just like it's so bizarre because you're just kind of like I, you just you're so out of context. <laughs> I can't take anything happening here seriously. And so like I always wonder like whenever people describe like oh yeah and there's like these people and they're wearing these costumes and I'm just like I don't think I could take it seriously because I'm just gonna be like yeah like I remember the the time there was the one cobbler that was smoking a blunt. <laughs> Colonial Williamsburg behind the stables. Seems about right. Okay. Yeah, that's basically what Black Creek Village is. It's people, when it's open, uh, it's people dressed up as blacksmiths and cobblers and stuff like that. I haven't been there since I was very young outside of the escape room, so. I actually went to one, where was it, Citadel Hill in Halifax, and they fired an actual cannon. Oh. (laughs) And there was smoke everywhere, and it was so <laughs> loud. It was so loud, but it was cool. <laughs> yeah, there's there's one there's one in uh, North Carolina that like we used to go to, and my parents would like go to our beach house in the summer, and it was just like, it's like this this the Queen Elizabeth II, and it was just kind of this, you know, 15th century vessel that like had all these reenactors on it, and you could just go on it and talk to them, and they would just like fire off cannons, just like. <laughs> Awesome. When you're five, like I'm like, yeah, cannons are cool. <laughs> really five through like like probably like ten it stopped being that cool. We got tired, but <laughs> Okay. So we can move on to listener questions now. A bunch of these are about Overwatch, so sorry, Dia. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is from Orkchop, and it's which Overwatch characters do you want to see in a cinematic short? And would you watch a Saturday morning cartoon of Junkrat and Roadhog? I not. <laughs> I wouldn't either. I, <laughs> I find Junkrat really annoying. <laughs> I would not want to watch that at all. Like I just I could, like I'm just like in my head. I'm just like remembering what like Saturday morning cartoons are like, and I'm just yeah. like, I it was just, it's just gonna be wall to wall fat jokes, and like mm. fuck that. I don't need that in my life. Yeah, <sighs> that being. Besides, wasn't there already, like, the fat Australian, like, kind of pig man from Captain Planet? Um. Like, I'm pretty sure there was a character and he was, like, the big fat guy and he had, like, kind of a pig face and he was Australian. So, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, like, I kind of feel again. like I've been there, done that. Uh, I think I want to see D.Va next in one of the shorts. I mean, eventually I want to see them all, so I don't know. I want to see Mercy. I'm kind of surprised mm. that Mercy hasn't been in one yet. Uh, but I'd also love to see one with Farah and Anna, like, together. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, want to, I definitely want to see a diva short, but I want to see it in the Deathwing diva yes. costumes that Apple Cider <laughs> has been tweeting this morning. It's so because good. They're so good. Shout out to you, Apple Cider Heart. <laughs> yeah, I want that in Overwatch. They're putting it in HOTS, but... I want it for Overwatch. I don't, think I don't know why they it. wouldn't. Like, it's just just do it. Do it, Blizzard. Yeah, like, come on. Ugh. Do that instead of trying to make Farah magically an Indian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's on its way to Rig. Uh, the next question is also from Orkchop, and he asks, would you want to do a Pyre episode? I really liked it and want to hear what your playthroughs were like. I haven't played it yet <laughs> <laughs> are you going to play it uh i'd like to i'd do a pyre episode it was a really good game or maybe like a whole like 
super giant episode. Mm. That's what they're called, right? Super giant. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I've only played Transistor, so does that mean I have to go play Bastion? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I did like Bastion. I just. I'm just <laughs> Another one from Orkshop is: Which games do you prefer to play on PC, and which games do you prefer to play on console? Like which kind of games? Yeah, I don't know. I play most of my games on console or on PC now, but. Oh, I have one specific game that I will only play on PlayStation, and that's Tomb Raider. Hmm. So, <laughs> but that's only because of like the nostalgia factor, and not <laughs> and nothing to do with the system in general. Well, you were saying last time about like, I mean, you'd rather play Destiny on PC and yeah, Overwatch because my aim's and... gonna be way better. Yeah. <laughs> I can't aim for shit on console, so okay, so I wouldn't play shooters on console. Uh, the Destiny, like, that is, like, the first time since... Oh, no, I guess Doom. Doom and Destiny 2 definitely feel like they're competent shooters on the console, for me, at least. Mm-hmm. Overwatch felt a little bit finicky, but Destiny, actually, like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm missing headshots quite as much as I should be. Yeah, I mean, like, I played Destiny 1 on the PlayStation 4, so, like, I know how it feels i just i'm like really stoked to see (laughs) i like playing most things on console just because it's easier to lie in bed while i do it and Mm. i like controllers better than my mouse and keyboard uh the exceptions are competitive shooters uh i find overwatch on console is like terrible like i can't play anything but reinhardt and then also, CRPGs, which I guess I need to change that term now because things like Divinity and uh, what else, like Wasteland and things, they're all, they've all started coming out on console, and I, I haven't tried any of them yet, but it sounds terrible to play those on console. Like, there's so much text, I feel like I'd have to sit two feet away from my screen to be able to read anything, mm. so. Yeah, and it sounds like the interfaces aren't really there yet, mm. um. Like I, I, would, I keep thinking I'm like, oh, I should, I should try uh, Numenara, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just like, I don't know, because all the reviews of it on the console are really bad, but mm. my laptop, you know, is kind of broken at the moment, so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I kind of like to see what it would be like, but I feel like, ugh, I don't know. I can't imagine playing some of those games on console. Yeah. Though at the same time, I'm also like, I can't imagine going back to playing XCOM at a desk anymore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm just like, no, XCOM <laughs> on the couch. That yeah. is where it's at. That's, um, that's how I feel. I know a lot of people, when I say that, they're like, no, this game's so much better with mouse and keyboard. And I'm like, it's really not. Like, it handles very, very well with a controller on console. And the Enemy Unknown and Enemy Within, I think they came out on console first. Or maybe only? I don't remember. But I don't remember. I remember playing them on an iPad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so like you know. But yeah, no, I um I think I CRPGs are probably the only thing that I would probably can say I would rather play on a PC. Mm-hmm. But um if people figure out how to make them work on a console, um I would rather do that. Yeah. Even if I can't mod things. Um <laughs> 
which is what everyone tries to sell me on. They're like, oh, how are you playing Skyrim on the PlayStation 4? And I'm like, you can't make the dragons into trains. What are you doing? (laughs) Well, first of all, we only make the dragons into Macho Man Randy Savage. (laughs) Uh, and um, we turned the the moon into Magusta face, and those are literally the only <laughs> two mods I ever used. I used the Magusta moon, and I used Macho Man and uh, for dragons. And <laughs> perfect. I don't know. I'm kind of like I'm like I'm fine with the vanilla game, y'all. <laughs> like they're like I I kind of wish with XCOM two I could get some mods just because um the body and head and like prop options uh kind of piss me off a little bit hmm. um because they're all gender siloed mm-hmm. so like there's like a really good side shave like extremes like you know asymmetrical haircut and you can only have it on the female body mm-hmm and like then there's like other hair like it's like you could only have this on like the guy bodies and it's just like what, what why would you yeah hot pants are universal apparently <laughs> but haircuts are not yeah <laughs> which is a piece i was gonna write until i was just too tired to write it <laughs> but like yeah i think it's the only game i'd be like i'd like to mod this but you know hmm. uh, at this point i don't care about mods i'm old and tired. <laughs> mods are complicated yeah okay uh the next question is from the doc web and he asks what are your thoughts on and experiences with browser-based games and have you played any that managed to keep i don't think i have played browser-based games. i played kingdom of loathing through like a four year long depression that i like to refer to as college (laughs) (laughs) and it was there for me every day when i went to work at tech support (laughs) <laughs> in the school of business what's kingdom of loathing um it's this browser game with this like really it's this kind of playful stick figure art more or less <laughs> mm-hmm. um not not just stick figures it's just it's just very it's very crude art um and it's uh an rpg where you can be bizarre you know you, your currency is meat and you can use it meat to buy things. You can also craft with meat by making meat paste with which to combine various items you pick up. Uh, it's just it's just like this very just you know irreverent, tongue in cheek, just nonsensical um, kind of a choose your own adventure. Mm, okay. uh, but with there's like you know kind of combat and your stats are things like moxie and like God, they're like I remember I remember moxie very specifically, but that it's like squirreliness and like <laughs> just, just like weird weird stats um i remember I, my character was a pasta mancer <laughs> and yeah it was a lot of fun i don't know if it's still up it's probably still running um but they just made a uh standalone version called west of loathing hmm. which it sounds like it's um basically a a, a, a you know a pay-to-play game uh just a little standalone western version of kingdom of loathing's kind of fantasy version Hmm. i think i saw a video about that recently Hmm. i've played a couple browser-based games i played a dark room which was kind of cool you start out in this um in this dark room and you have to go out and gather things and make fire and sort of explore the woods around you and the uh 
the story ends up going in unexpected places, which was pretty cool. And then I played a little bit of Fallen London, which I'm pretty sure the doc web is playing now. And I thought it was okay, but I had played Sunless Sea before it. And I found Fallen London, it, it didn't perform super well in the browser and it kept emailing me and I didn't like that. So if I want that kind Ooh. of, that kind of writing style, sort of text-based adventure, I would just play Sunless Sea, I think. And then they're coming out with a new one called Sunless Skies, I think. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's all the same kind of writing and same kind of stuff just uh in an actual what's the opposite of a browser-based game <laughs> i don't even know <laughs> well and i guess i guess you know i played a lot of twine games that i, I mm. really oh twine enjoy. Yeah, yes. that's that's yeah. a browser-based game oh yeah um, okay in that case i have played a few i just don't remember their names yeah it's it's one of those kind of like but is it a game conversations that yeah. no one actually wants to have mm-hmm. um and i i you know, but um, yeah, Twine. Uh, I play a lot of Twine games, though. My favorite is still. I'm gonna give a shout out now to Patrick by Michael Lutz, mm. which is um, it, he describes it as a, a short game about having an uncomfortable conversation with a sinister white guy. <laughs> like it's it's something perfect like that, but um, it is. It's exactly what it is. It's a short game about an uncomfortable conversation with a kind of sinister white guy and, and everyone should go and play that yeah all of on... all of michael Letts's games are pretty good yeah no his 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 stuff is really good and he's working on something new now um and i can't wait for that because he does the very good things <laughs> with twine all right the next question is from a latino lawyer and it's are there any old tv shows that you remember your parents or grandparents watching that deserve a reboot no, <laughs> no, <laughs> not that I can remember. Like I don't. Like, I'm trying to think of even like what they watched. Like my mom watched Star Trek a lot, and that's already getting. It's like the reboot is here. So mm-hmm. X Files that happened. Um, <laughs> I think X Files and Star Trek were the two big ones. For my dad, oh. I don't remember. Grandparents, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I only remember my grandma watching like. The Price is Right and Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> and those are still around. So. And they're still around, yeah. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is, like, um, like the shows I used to watch, like my, my mom would, like, find for me on Nick at Night that, like, were, like, her favorite shows, like The Man from Uncle and mm, uh. Uh, Get Smart. But, like... They've all been done. <laughs> they, they got movie reboots and, oh, those, they were... Okay, well, I... The Get Smart reboot was bad. Uh, I did not like that. Um, but I have a fondness uh, against my better judgment for liking a Guy Ritchie movie. Uh, but I thought his The Man from Uncle movie was like really good. It was it was a long format Paco Rabanne uh, commercial, uh, and and that's exactly kind of what The Man from Uncle always should have been and kind of was. So I remember my. Dad used to watch a ton of, like, old shows from, I guess, the 70s, like Barney Miller and WKRP, uh, All in the Family, which I really like. I don't I don't even think you could do that now. Like, I think you'd have to be a genius to pull off a new 
all in the family, and I don't think anyone is. Um, and then MASH, which I think, like, I wouldn't want a MASH reboot, but I think there could be room for some kind of war-based comedy satire show, maybe. Yeah, I can't think of it. <laughs> like, there's really no TV shows that I want brought back. Yeah, or if they have been, it's like it's already been done, and it's like, okay, well, we don't need that again. Mm-hmm. Like I, say, I feel like we've just been bringing things back anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I want Forever Night to come back. That's what I want. I want Forever Night, and I want Silk Stockings. They're my two show demands, if we're going to reboot things <laughs> at all. The next one is from AC Decepticon, and they ask, what game has the worst story or gameplay description that you've ever read but ended up being a great game to play so the first thing i thought of this uh for this was doom because uh when they (laughs) first did the doom preview at i don't know if it was an e3 or whatever it was it was just like oh gory first person shooter it was like i had no interest in it at all and then will picked it up and i tried it out and i was like oh my god this is amazing so uh, I think it was Doom. They did not really do anything for selling that game as being good. So I don't think I really have one that I can think of. Yeah, like, there's nothing that like really jumps out at me. It's like it's like oh that that sounds that sounds so t- terrible. Um, like I've never like being given quick synopses or like story kind of beats from every Bioware game never really thrilled me, but <laughs> those end up being like, that's not the point anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like Knights of the Old Republic story is bad, but I kind of love the crap out of it. Uh, okay. So the last question is from Serene Wow. And it's if you are in a position with unlimited money, time, whatever to invent a system to deal with toxic players in overwatch, <laughs> what would you invent? Hmm. So I think, they're are they they're putting in the fact that when you report somebody you get a message back when it's been dealt with, right? I think they already have put that in. Oh, I have okay. never gotten a message and I report a lot of people. Yeah, I wanna I wanna feel the justice finally. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I don't I think first of all, they could stop marketing it as like the dude bro competitive esport that they're starting to market it as. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess like just being able to have more like reporting options, which it's better than it was at the beginning, but you know, being able to report and say like at this, this person used like harassment and he used like slurs. So that can go in one category. And then like, I don't know, like there's no real way to, to like, to report voice chat harassment uh unless you like record it yourself oh really they don't well like i I don't know that well how would you how would you report it now like i don't i don't think they have a system in place to do that i mean i assumed that harassment and stuff when you reported that that applied to either voice or so they're recording voice chat i'd I don't know about that. See, that's the that's the thing because then that the like recording anything that's happening in voice chat is I'm curious now if that's actually a thing because that would have been a suggestion of mine, but I'm pretty sure that's not a thing you, huh. or they can do it, but I don't feel comfortable about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I would put more 
actual people in there to be able to see. I mean, I feel like some things are super easy. Like, people use slurs and stuff in voice chat. Like, they get banned. Like, yeah, why is that difficult? <laughs> Uh, or have things like if someone gets reported a certain amount of times, it automatically goes to a human who can review all of their chats and voices and things like that. Yeah. And then if someone does get banned, I definitely want them to get a letter being like, we'll enjoy the $60 you spent on this game, but you can't play anymore. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know. Because like people, people that get, that kind of band would probably just pay again and Ugh. make a new account and keep playing with like no actual repercussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think the thing that you know we're dancing around here is that if we had all of these resources and money, like Blizzard, <laughs> maybe, and 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 we also had three online multiplayer ips or no four like god how like five like all of them yeah all of them (laughs) all of their ips um maybe maybe start a unit devoted to figuring out and trying Mm -hmm. new approaches to handling player toxicity like he gets an idea that uh todd harper floated on twitter and like i'm kind of like yeah no this is make I figured they did. I figured they had like an internal department that was just like, our job is making sure multiplayer experiences are smooth and as least toxic as possible. Mm-hmm. And turns out, no, Overwatch's gameplay team is doing it because while I agree that the multiplayer social component and gameplay are, you know, linked, um, it seems like a really ridiculous way of doing things when you have, you know, a billion dollar company. Yeah. Yeah. With nothing but online IPs. Yeah. There should be a whole department of people. And it's like, you know, it's like, okay, how old is World of Warcraft at this point? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like, it's not a problem that we're going to solve. We will never solve player toxicity. But I feel like, come on, Blizzard, you're huge. You've been doing this for a decade now. Um, minimum and maybe you should have a department for this just to figure it out for a solution that you can then apply to all of your shit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point it's not just like the one ip that this is a problem with (laughs) (laughs) all right uh that's all the questions we have for this episode and that means it brings us to a close uh, thank you again, Dia, for joining us again. Thank you for having me, guys. It's always fun to talk to you, too. Yes, it's always good to talk to you. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you online? Yeah, you can find me at Dia Lacina, D-I-A-L-A-C-I-N-A, on Twitter. Um, and that's really the best place to find me. <laughs> All right. And Riley? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at... Kaleri with an underscore, it's K-A-L-E-R-I with an underscore, and also on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Kaleri with no underscore. And you can find me on Twitter at Josila underscore, or on YouTube, where my channel is Cannot Be Tamed. And if you have any feedback or questions for us, you can reach out at mediamavenscast at gmail.com, or contact us on Twitter at underscore mediamavens. 
There's also a forum for discussion of any of our episodes at cartridgeclub.org. And if you like the show, please leave us reviews on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.